Hello and welcome to Cannabis Nation, where we help guide you through the wonderful and complex world of cannabis by shedding light on your most burning questions and dankest desires. We are your hosts, I'm Susan. And I'm Nick. We are starting a new series called Pop Profiles. All right. Yeah. In this series, we discuss iconic figures in hemp history. Ooh. For our first episode in the series, we bring you the world-famous Jack Herrera. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big name, big name. Big name, big strain. Yeah. So without further ado, here is the long-awaited episode 32 for you. Professor Potnik, take it away. Let's jump right in. So Jack Herrera, a.k.a. the Emperor of Hemp, a.k.a. the Hemperer, Mm -hmm. was a cannabis entrepreneur, activist, and writer who focused not only on the legalization of medicinal cannabis use, but also advocated for the industrial and food product uses of hemp. Yes. To say that Jack Herrera was one of the greatest icons of the cannabis nation cannot be overstated. Not be overstated. He wrote books. He gathered signatures, opened up head shops and hemp shops. He gave speeches, demonstrated in the streets, went to jail. Went to jail. Showed a government-made pro-hemp movie. Yes, he did. Produced and endorsed a variety of cannabis products. (laughs) He even had a strain of cannabis named in his honor yeah. and has inspired songs. Songs. His birthday is even a holiday. For heaven's sakes. Jack Career Day. Hello. So he was born on June 18th, 1939 and died in 2010. Mm-hmm. He was raised in an average middle class Jewish family in Buffalo, New nice York. Nice people. Nice mm-hmm. people. His father died of a heart attack when he was 14. Mm-hmm. By the time he was 17, he had dropped out of high school and enrolled in the army in order to avoid going to jail for two weeks for driving after dark with only a junior license. Okay, now, what world is it that you go to jail for driving after dark for two weeks? I mean, that's pretty draconian. Two weeks. 1956, baby. You know, I was just saying, you know, you didn't, nobody died, nobody got hurt. Yeah. Yeah, that's a little... You didn't little... steal anything? You give him a ticket. Come you on. You didn't expose yourself in public. You were yeah. just driving down the street after dark. You got caught after dark. You were you were at Mrs., uh, you know, whatever, Herbowitz's house, and you had to bring the holla back to the house, and then yeah. it was after dark. I'm just saying. No, j- two weeks of jail <laughs> Crazy. for driving after dark is insane. Insane. Well. Well, Jack, by all accounts, <laughs> seemed to really take to army life. Yeah. Yeah. He could drive after dark. Right. There you go. They don't care what time it is. Uh, He even served as a military police officer in Korea during the Korean War. Irony of ironies. Yeah. Wild. After the war, our our fair Jack settled into a nice California dream in upper middle class, Barry Goldwater Republican lifestyle. Yeah. Where Americans were the good guys. Land of the free and righteous. That's right. Jack was offended by the anti-war protesters of the day. How dare calling you. Calling them un-American. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He and his first of four wives, Vera Donato, mm-hmm. were married from 1960 to 1969. Yes, they were. They had three sons. Beautiful. And in 1967, Jack moved the family to Los Angeles 
to work at a neon sign company. Yeah, because they blow, you know, and they blow glass, you know. So he was mm-hmm. a glass blower. So he went to go work at a neon sign because that's what glass blowers did. Yeah, yeah. He was such a Barry Goldwater fan yeah. that he named his eldest son Barry after the fiery Arizonian congressman. Yeah, and okay, so I want to give you guys a little picture, you mm-hmm. know, of what that means and and the, and the times. And so here's a brief note on Gold, Goldwater's influence on American politics, and it is going to be brief considering the influence. Yeah. Goldwater's book, The Consciousness of a Conservative, uh, revived the American conservative movement. Conservatism is, it relates in modern American politics, is a political and social philosophy based on the belief in limited government paired with a strong sense of individualism traditionalism and republicanism and not democracy okay so keep that in mind this book slash mid-century republican bible and that is not uh, not being hyperbolic there yeah made goldwater a political star and has influenced countless conservatives in the united states it was the principal guide in laying the foundation for the republican reagan revolution of the 1980s and its shockwaves continue to reverberate our world as a whole to this day here and now yeah and, yeah, and not to put the cart in front of the horse, but we're talking about the one of the world's most famous cannabis activists, and early yeah. in his life was yeah. a fan of this was his Bible. Some of the most toxic Republican yeah. rhetoric of ever all time. Yeah, ever. Yeah. Okay. So and you know we we know that some people might not agree with us on you know political views and reaganism and all and republicanism and that's we understand that and that's fine but this guy reagan you want to talk about his influence in cannabis here's a guy because they're trying to make government small mm-hmm. right it's too big he's quoted as saying you know i want to make government so small you can drown it in a bathtub mm-hmm. and then but you know now we need to fill the bathtub with urine to piss test everybody i don't get it i mean like yeah. you know he I mean, makes like this huge yeah thing that the government like is in your world in your pee yeah okay so that's just kind of i'm just throwing that out yeah we're gonna we want a small government but we're gonna control everything that you do outside of work times and your employment yeah okay it's just so you can have a job now just to give you a picture of the mindset of our fair herrera and what where he was at that time here's a quote from jack's son mark herrera up until then he believed we were in vietnam for a reason he mm-hmm. believed everything great about our country. Yeah. He, every time we went to war, it was for a just cause. Yeah. He was a Goldwater Republican. My oldest guy? brother, Barry, is named after Barry yeah. Goldwater. <laughs> My parents wrote him a letter and asked if he would be his <laughs> godfather, and he wrote back on his Senate letterhead and oh said he God. would be honored. Uh, end yeah. quote. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Indoctrinated. It, yeah. It is so ironic that a man who would be such an iconic, tireless champion of our beloved cannabis nation would allegedly slight and subsequently cite his first wife's continuous cannabis smoking as reason for divorce, for God's sake. He sakes. divorced his first wife for smoking, smoking weed. weed. <laughs> Crazy, oh even still. It's because of that said divorce, 
he found himself in the arms of a woman that was to change the future of his life and the trajectory of legalization of cannabis in our nation forever, all time. There's wow. o- there's always a woman behind the man. Oh, Catalyst you know, for change we are, yes. Seriously. It's true. <laughs> well, by his own account, which you can find on YouTube, he, like most of us, did not really get high the first time he smoked cannabis. Yeah, well, that's typical. That Apparently, Yeah, yeah, happens. happened to me. Uh, apparently, by his own account, there were some around, including himself, that thought he should chill out. Chill out, out Jack. No, chill, really. Yeah. Chill out. Chill out. <laughs> it's way beyond a Snickers bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was having problems sleeping with PTSD-related symptoms. Oh, wow. The first stuff his yeah. lady tried turning him on to was just okay. Yeah. Cannabis was in short supply at the time, and his new girlfriend ended up spending a lot of money for what turned out to be some really kick-ass cannabis. there you go. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. And like so many other great things, it was the summer of 1969. (laughs) That's right. And at the age of 30, Jack had his first real experience with cannabis. Yeah, he went to, we went to the moon, and so did Jack. Mm -hmm. Yep. Smoking what he called the Sammy Davis Jr. strain, That's which right. is Acapulco Gold. Acapulco Gold. And not just Acapulco Gold. The shit. She spent money on the shit. It yeah. was the real shit. Totally. Anyway. From this experience, Jack Herrera became what his friends called a most vigorous <laughs> zealot. That's an understatement. <laughs> yeah. He recounts how he and his lady friend consummated their oh. friendship in a biblical way yeah. for hours and hours. Yeah, but... Eight. It's a big book. Consummated some more, (laughs) slept, and ate some more. (laughs) That sounds like a perfect day. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you. (laughs) Yeah. Seriously. He at one point quotes himself when he recounts asking his lover, why is this stuff illegal? Ah, so great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) According to Jack and his friends at the time, this became his watershed moment. Uh, Yeah. After this one experience, he devoted the rest of his life to the legalization of cannabis. Yes, he did. And this is on a, yeah, this, this was so great. We found this thing and that this is his, you know, it's on YouTube. So he's actually telling you the story, which is awesome. And you want to probably talk about the most superlative testimonial about getting what you pay for regarding cannabis. Yeah. You can get this yeah. is the story. Yep. Okay. Are you going to buy that, you know, ounce, half ounce for $50, $35, right? Mm-hmm. Are you going to buy and you're going to smoke that all day and you're even though that number's high and ain't going to do anything, this lady had to go buy the good stuff, mm-hmm. right, for him to have that epiphanic revelation that changed his life. Thank you very much. Seriously. Okay. And so I'm just saying, you oh. get what you pay. Mm-hmm. Friends don't let friends smoke so, bad weed. Thank you. Just take it. Just take those those few hits. Those terpenes and cannabinoids, when they do it right, can really turn on your endocannabinoid system, people. Yeah, it's see great. some fireworks. Woo! Now, <clears throat> excuse me. Herrera began researching this magical plant, scrounging for any and all scarce material who could find on the subject finding like-minded compatriots in the quest for legalization along the way. Yes, Mm. he did. In 1973, that was a busy year for our fair hero and the new mission that he had in life. He and co-author Al Emanuel with illustrator Carl Mouquet, 
I think it's Mukay, released their zine, Grass. Now, Grass is an acronym for Great Revolutionary American Standard System. It was a cartoon strip and coloring book, which oh, I, how just, fun. I just I know. I want to get my hands on one. And it was the official guide for, to quote Jack himself on this one, assessing the quality of marijuana on the one to 10 scale for ensuring what you have, comma, where you're at and what to pay, period. That's his quote. Yeah, yeah. So all about where's the good weed, how to get it, and how much it is. And how much you're going to pay. Oh, you're going to be over there. You're going to be paying this for that and for this and blah, 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 blah. How fun, though. Yes. And how creative a coloring book, too. Seriously. He opened up his first head shop in 1973 and named it the High Country. It was located on Venice Beach, no less, where he made and sold his handmade pipes and bongs. That's right. Our intrepid cannabis hero was a glass blower, remember, and had begun to invent drug paraphernalia and founded the AHA Pipe Company. Uh I just think that's so brilliant. AHA. Some of his brain children include the fake aerosol can, you know, the one that unscrews at the bottom and you hide your stuff in there, man, and you screw it back in. It's like an aerosol can. Yeah, we have some of those at the shop right now. We just got some. How much are you selling them for, pray tell? Oh, I don't remember off the top of my head. They're not expensive. Right. They're they're under 20 bucks. Ah! More just for nostalgia's sake at this point. There you go. It's an under $20 purchase for a gift. Isn't that fabulous? Okay. So not only that, but then, oh my God, you guys, you're going to love this. It's a Coke grinder named Johnny Snowflake, for God's sake. Oh my God. (laughs) How much Coke do you have to have to have a fucking grinder, you guys? Seriously. Oh my God, is that a razor blade? We're going to be here all night. Yeah, it'll take hours. Johnny Snowflake grinder out. Now. You're plugging into the wall. (laughs) (laughs) My God. It even had a jingle. That's right. It had a jingle. And it was aired on KROQ 17 times in a row. They love this so much. Absolutely incredible. And now, no, sad to say we could not find said jingle. We looked. I even called the radio station. You would be listening to it right now for sure if we could find a copy of it. There's nowhere to be found. Uh, If we ever find it, trust you're going to hear it here first. Totally. 100%. Well, 1973 is also the year in which he befriended one of the most important figures in his life, another head shop owner and cannabis activist, who went by Captain Ed Adair. The pair are cannabis brothers from other mothers. Oh, yeah. And quickly develop a lifelong bond. Oh, yeah. They would go on to not only become head shop business partners, but more importantly, Mm -hmm. cannabis activist partners as well. God help help us all. Anyway. Yeah. They created a political action team they called oh. the Reefer Raiders. I want a shirt. I want a sticker. Reefer Raiders want... shirt. Yeah, seriously. Is there a hoodie? I mean, if it's not <laughs> trademarked, we might have to look into doing some <laughs> Reefer Raiders merch. 
And they both go so far as to make a lifelong yeah. pledge to fight the quote-unquote system until cannabis was completely legal and everyone who had mm-hmm. been incarcerated for simple possession was freed. Thank you. Or okay. until they turned 84 <laughs> or died first. Or died first! That's commitment. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, yeah. death came to both yeah. men before the complete yeah. legalization of cannabis yeah. and or their respective yeah. 84th yeah. birthday. <laughs> Yeah. Not. I don't mean to laugh, but yeah. they gave it their all. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They set a date and they didn't, they didn't meet stop. it. Yeah. But, however, it cannot be understated that much of our success in legalization of cannabis in this nation so far do, is due to this duo and their combined efforts. Yep. Yes. Yeah. It was a, after a failed attempt to get some legislation towards legalization in California passed in 1974 that Jack heard the first whispers of hemp and its importance in human history. Mm-hmm. He began to comb the Library of Congress for documentation related to hemp and its contributions to not only the United States, but the rest of the world as well. Yeah, and um, here's an interesting little thing. You know, he had been doing all this research Mm-hmm. on cannabis and stuff and um apparently some kids who were uh involved in you know in jack and got swept up with the with this you know legalization um he they told him about hemp and about how that there had been laws that you had to grow hemp in this country and so that brought him to the library of congressman uh, congress where he legitimately just combed that place and that's when you you really research dogged it doesn't even begin to cover it yeah 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 and it was it's really interesting when he's you know finding out all this stuff about hemp he's becoming this major marijuana activist um at the same time but they're separate in his mind and it's funny that he named the the pipe company aha because he had his big aha moment. moment When he finds out, which most people don't know at this point, that cannabis and hemp are the exact same, same plant. Thing. And that's when everything boils over for him and, yeah. and and his lifelong trajectory is 100% set. Yes. So he would continue his tireless and dogged research on the subject for yeah. the rest of the decade while also toiling away on the never-ending work of legalization of cannabis and educating yeah. the masses at Venice Beach's first cannabis educational yeah. booth, <laughs> which he ran up until the year he died, 2010. Yeah. So if you can imagine this this figure, you know, he's on his soapbox, you know, on Venice Beach and, you know, he's got his, you know, information packets and yeah. shit, you know, now... And well, I I also love that like he became such a huge figure, and he was you know doing huge talks to yeah. auditoriums of people. But he still goes back to that Venice Beach educational booth that he started yeah. that first year yeah. all the time. All the time, it doesn't matter where. Where every you know true grassroots activist. Absolutely. Now. One of the things too that was happening is, you know, they were trying to put ballots to 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 measure, you know, where you can vote on stuff, and so you have to get signature to mm-hmm. put stuff on the ballot for people to yeah, vote. Petition right? for right. things to. So this is, you know, one of the things that he was doing, you know. Mm-hmm. But in 1981, while collecting signatures for a legalization ballot, Jack Herrera was ticketed for trespassing on federal property. Okay. Okay. His son, Mark Carrere, said this about the event. The corner of Wilshire Boulevard and Veterans Avenue is supposedly one of the busiest intersections in the whole country. 
And dad's like, where are we going to get the most exposure for nothing? (laughs) (laughs) So they set up tents and they had this little mess tent, had rallies and all of that. It was the longest occupation of federal property ever. Now at that time, since in 1981. All right. So, oh my gosh, you guys listen to this. So they issued dad a $5 ticket for registering voters on federal property when? After dark. For <laughs> Back <laughs> at it. What? This man should only be out when the sun's out, apparently. What is this going on here after dark? Okay. The law was supposed to keep communists, apparently communists don't go out in the daytime. I don't understand. But okay, whatever. Off the streets, the communist or something like that. I don't know. He goes to court for a $5 ticket and he says, I love this. I'm not going to pay your fucking $5. Just to prove a point, you're going to have to send me to prison. So listen to this. Dad goes to, he says, so dad goes 14 days of 15 days to prove a point. And again, remember the initial thing why he joined the army was to get out of it for two weeks. Remember it was two weeks. Okay. So now he really is going to prison for two weeks, which is so funny. Okay. All right. So, uh, and, 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 and he was like thrilled to do it. He says, this is my biggest stand yet. He says, (laughs) You can just hear him levitating. Yep. All right. Rumor has it that Ronald Reagan, who had just won the presidency, witnessed the event and took a personal interest in stopping, which isn't a big stopping this, which isn't a big surprise coming from a man who once said, oh, my God, you guys listen to this. I now have absolute proof that smoking even one marijuana cigarette is equal in brain damage to being on Bikini Island during the H-bomb blast. End quote. <laughs> like, what? Well, I've never smoked anything that fucking vaporized me, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, where's that Reagan atomic so- bomb weed? I mean, it's going to... Va- one cigarette and you too can be vaporized. Just a little <laughs> mark on the ground. Oh my God. Reagan's atomic kush. <laughs> atomic blast kush. Could somebody please give us that, please? Seriously. Okay. <laughs> well, while in jail, Jack wrote the outline for the book that would take him from local activist to national cannabis icon. Yes, that's The Emperor right. Wears No Clothes. Dun, dun, dun. After his release, Jack moved to Portland to finish writing his book and opened the Third Eye Shoppy. Okay, world famous. Yeah, one of the most iconic head shops in America. World famous. Yeah. Yeah. The Emperor Wears No Clothes was published in 1985. And world famous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The book delved into the reasons that hemp and cannabis were made illegal in America and the benefits of the plant as well, Mm -hmm. many of which went hand in hand. Yeah. It argued for the medicinal use of cannabis and hemp's use as a replacement for petroleum products, wood pulp paper, textiles, and more. Right. So many uses. Yeah. The book itself was even printed on hemp paper. Beautiful. Initially regarded as pure conspiracy, Mm -hmm. his books took some time to hit mainstream outside of hemp activists. Mm -hmm. While some statements in the book are still being argued, the vast majority of his claims were proven factual mm-hmm. over time. Mm-hmm. He was so confident in the information that that he provided that he offered $100,000 to right. anyone who could prove him wrong. Right. Yeah. 
<clears throat> yeah, and uh, if you want to know a little bit more about uh, what's in that book, we talked a lot about the content of it yeah. on our episode on the Marijuana Tax Act of 1937. That's right. Um, so definitely go back and give that a listen. It's a very fun episode. And let me just tell you about the book. I, I got a copy of it. I couldn't find a copy of The Grass. Oh, yeah. That's, I'm sure that one would be hard to find. Yeah, I found something different that's labeled grass, just so you all know. It's not that book, so yeah. be careful. I paid $9 for something that's not what I thought it was. But anyway, <laughs> that's okay. Um, but The Emperor Wears No Clothes, every like page, everything is footnoted. So this guy did his, like we were saying before, research, and he actually, so when you read he the book. He cited all of his uh, absolutely, sources. And, absolutely. Yeah. And what's interesting, too, is he finds a film strip that the Library or the library of Congress had that was made by the federal government talking about growing hemp for the, mm-hmm. you know, for the effort. For the war effort, effort yeah, you know, totally. And, you know, so, and they, and everybody said it, it didn't exist, and so he actually rented out a theater and showed it like, like, you know, debuted the film. So kind of cool that Jack, the hundred thousand dollars, put your money where your mouth is and no, and he hasn't had to pay that hundred thousand dollars. So not yet. There you go. So Jack continued his fight for cannabis freedom throughout the Mm nineties, doing speaking tours and collecting signatures. Herrera ran for United States president (laughs) twice. In 1988 and 1992 as the Grassroots Party candidate. Yes! His second run was the more successful attempt with 3,875 votes to his name. Oh my God, such persistence. Yeah. I love it. It's absolutely incredible. It's not cheap to run for president, people. No, it's not. (laughs) Yes. So to say Jack was, if nothing else, a man of conviction and ideas is an understatement. His relentless pursuit of legalization of cannabis and the expungement of cannabis criminal records is unrivaled. Mm-hmm. In a 1995 interview with Rick Kusek of High Times, while talking about the newly formed Hemp Industries Association, that's the HIA, Jack had this to say about their lack of commitment to cannabis legalization. Listen, I don't give a shit. I mean, I don't give one fucking shit about factionalizing. I just don't want to have to hang out. I don't want to have to break bread. I don't want to have to be nice to a motherfucker that wants to leave a person in prison. It ain't funny to me. It's never fucking funny to me that a person could go to prison and it's okay with fucking clothing manufacturer. Got a little clothing company now making hem goods. But it's okay to leave somebody in prison for him to make a living? No. I don't, I fucking don't give a shit what happens to that motherfucker. And if I can do anything to trip him up or make him fall down a mountain, I will. I don't give a shit. Anyone who would leave someone in prison for their own pecuniary reasons, once they knew this information isn't fit to smoke a joint with anybody, let alone with me. Or me. Here, here, Jack. Here, here, Jack. Yes. You know, and it's, you know, they, they talked more in that interview about how, you know, he goes to this hemp industry association. It was, you know, brand new this year. And how, you know, some of the people there were for cannabis legalization, but like 50% of more or more of them were like, well, let's just, just slow, slow down. down. You know, we're making a good living off no. this. Let's, let's not no, no. move too quickly. Well, and Jack's like, what do you mean move too quick, fucking quickly? quickly? There are people that have been in prison yeah. for 20 years. Yes. If anything, we're fucking late. Late. So fuck you, you right. to moving yeah. too quickly. No shit. And I agree with him. And, you know, and this too, normal and him did not get along. 
Yeah, not not initially. No, definitely. they they recently they had given him the like man of the year or whatever award, mm-hmm. but initially they didn't get along because he was so bombastic and they also felt that he was changing the conversation to hemp and yeah. they were more about recreational marijuana or just medicinal yeah. marijuana, but not necessarily hemp. And so they kind of butted heads there too. Yeah, and at the same time, like when his book came out, like we said earlier, uh, it was viewed as conspiracy. So yeah. they see this book and they're like, "Oh my god, dude, you're you're like ruining oh this for god. us. You're making yeah. this all ridiculous and crazy." That guy with the soapbox on Venice Beach is at it again. Yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah. you know. And, and but it's kind of ironic, you know, without Jack and his, you know, just. All in, all the time, just, you know, so I just, you just got to love strongly convicted people, you know, honestly, yeah. really, they move mountains. And yeah. I think, you know, him and normal came to a place, but I, I do understand where Jack's coming from. And I see what other people are talking about too, about how one of the things that the argument is, is that with full legalization, they can come and buy every one of us out of here. And Jack was like, well, the only reason that you're here in the beginning is because of the tax act of 1937. And if it wasn't for those guys who had to cease and desist, you wouldn't have that vacuum wouldn't have been created and you wouldn't be here today anyway. So your point is moot. Yeah. Is what Jack was saying when I hear hear Jack. So, so not only, it does he get to this, you know, the emperor wears no clothes brought him to this new platform. Like he yeah. was just going to be a footnote in history, yeah. but he writes this book. Right. Yeah. And it gives, and then he, yeah, over you know, the next decade, it gets huge. huge. Yeah. And this is great. And then, you know, he went for president. Da, 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 da. So in 1994, just to give him a little bit more, Amsterdam's Sensi seed released a strain named for Jack. Now, contrary to urban legend, it wasn't made to his specifications, guys, but rather it was a strain that Sensi was excited about in which they wanted to honor Jack. So mm-hmm. Alan Donkers is the breeder who developed the strain, Jack Carrere, and is the eldest son of Sensi seed founder Ben Dronkers. Now, the parentage of the strain has never been fully disclosed, but we do know that it's some type of uh, haze hybrid with a Northern Lights number no. five a Shiva, and a Shiva skunk cross. Now, capturing both cerebral elevation and a heavy resin production, which was mm. important to them. OK, this sativa dominant hybrid is typically described as blissful, clear headed and creative with piney aroma and taste. And mm. it is one of the few sativa strains that I can smoke that doesn't yeah. give me anxiety, even though it does have a little haze in it. That's yeah. interesting. And honestly, like if you, I mean, I find it hard to believe, but if you haven't smoked a Jack <laughs> strain at this point, uh, if you do love the creative side of yeah. cannabis and, and the high, it is a fantastic one for them. It's Certainly. Absolutely is. fantastic. Yeah. So fantastic. That um, it's it's said the sensi says that at the time of this writing that it was the most award winning strain ever for them. Yeah. Right. So good on them and good on Jack. Yeah. Now, even more a feather in the cap. In 1995, Jack was on the cover of High Times magazine and it's its best selling issue of the modern era 
which also skyrocketed sales of his book even further into the mainstream. Yeah, I think his book's uh, sales something like quadrupled at that point. Isn't that great? Wonderful. Wonderful. And in July 2000, Herrera suffered a minor heart attack and a major stroke while Uh attending the Biofatch trade Uh show, resulting in difficulty speaking and moving the right side of his body. That's a shame. He mostly recovered and claimed that treatment with uh, Amanita muscaria, a psychoactive mushroom, as well as cannabis oil was responsible for his recovery. See? See? Mm -hmm. He resumed speaking tours uh, until another heart attack in 2009. Mm. Complications from which led to his eventual death in 2010. Yeah. Still 14 years away from his goal of fighting until the age of 84. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and, and Nick and I also did a podcast on how they're combining cannabis and mushrooms. Mm-hmm. And so, see, here we are again. Yeah. Case in point, And he's attributing to, to you know, some longevity to that. Yeah. Now, yeah. So here's something that's really interesting, though, um, about what we said about how he was all for legalization and how, you know, just because you have this business and, you know, yeah, you Mm -hmm. can get swallowed up. So what? Uh, Ironically enough, with the legalization of cannabis in Oregon, Mark Herrera, who took over running the Third Eye Shop, world famous, was forced to close down as the building was not zoned properly to convert to a cannabis shop. And the increased competition from legalization made it impossible to keep the shop in business because mm-hmm. everybody who's selling cannabis is also selling bongs and all that yeah. other shit made him kind of redundant. So don't cry for him, Argentina. He is now a full-time cannabis grower who will forever grow the legendary Jack Herrera strain in honor of his father. And considering who he is and in Oregon, I think he'll be okay. Yeah, yeah. I think he'll land on his It's feet. a good place to be. Yeah. <laughs> Jack Herrera is a household name in the cannabis industry to this day, thanks to the strain. But there are many consumers and people in the industry who are unaware of the work he did to help us get to where we are today. While he would likely have criticisms for the legal cannabis industry that we have today. Oh, for sure. It does have as many faults and limitations. Yes, it does. His legacy lives on in all who fight for cannabis reform in this nation and beyond. What a fantastic guy. Yeah. I mean, I got to say, this was such a fun one to do research for because I knew he was a cannabis activist and I knew about uh, the Emperor Wears No Clothes, but really the full spectrum of his life, just even prior to him loving weed, his conviction and everything he did. Yeah. Incredible. An MP. Like, not just joins the military, but like, now we're going to be a military police in Korea. He he names his kid Barry after Barry Goldwater. He's such a, you know, believer in that movement, you know, and then when, uh, which you pay for, that Acapulco Gold that gave him that epiphanic revelation to you know that was it that was the rest of his life just a like you he had the most uh polar life-changing experience of anybody i have ever heard of you want to talk about a midlife crisis crisis 30 30, right (laughs) yep (laughs) really seriously Mm -hmm. and that just goes to show you you know, you never know what's going to happen in life. You know, you never know what that thing that's going to 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 make you just do a switch, bitch, and just change your life forever, you know? Say yes to more things. Yay! 
say yes to more things. New experiences. Well, thank you for listening to Cannabis yes. Nation. We hope this has helped shed light on your most burning questions and your dankest desires. Uh-huh. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Cannabis Nation Podcast. Uh-huh. This is Nick. And Susan. Ending, ending on, on a high, high note. And just a little FYI, be careful after dark. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. I mean, or, I mean. Change your life after dark. But you could go to jail. If you're going to go to jail, write a book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's to live by?